You know, I always think it's better for you to introduce yourself rather than me, dude. Sure, Arman. I'm Satej. I'm the founder and CEO of Rocketium. At Rocketium, we are building design software for modern growth teams. We obsess about how they run their campaigns, how they communicate with their users. Very, very interesting space and we are just getting started. So I follow a few things to make sure that I have the mental capacity on a daily basis to do the things that I do and do it at the highest level. The first one and the most important one for me is sleep. I need a lot of sleep no matter what I do, whether uh, I was in the business school or uh, working uh, at uh, startups or running my own company. Sleep is extremely important to me. The second one is spending time on hobbies. I love cooking. I love traveling. I love playing video games. Those are some things I always uh, find time to spend on. And the third one, which I think is the most important one, I think something that very, very few people do. It's something that can check a lot of boxes and make you really recharged and get you thinking in a very different way. And that is... Dude, I can't give away all of the secret sauce to this podcast at the very beginning. But as you heard, today we have Satej on the So Damn Productive podcast. And the reason I'm so excited to have this conversation is that his views on work are very different than your average founder. Most people think grinding out hours is the key to growth, but he's got a very different view and it seems to be working. Rocketium just raised $3.2 million in their recent round of funding. How the f does he do it? How does he work a regular eight hour day and still produce at an elite level? Well, you're about to find out, dude. Satej, welcome to the So Damn Productive podcast. What's up, man? Thank you so much for having me, Arman. I'm excited to talk about productivity, one of the topics that is near to my heart. So we started the conversation by talking about the challenges of life versus work. And this is a question we all ask ourselves on a daily basis. What's the perfect formula? Earlier, I used to believe that. Why else do you exist but to do the work that you're doing? This was before Rocketium. Before I was the founder of a company, whether I was uh, at my business school, I was president. I lived and breathed that school. Every living moment, I was an ambassador for that school. Every step I took, I felt I was representing the school and I had to be a certain way. Um, before that, when I was at Amazon, I used to behave um, as if I was uh, a shareholder and an owner of the company because that company also has that kind of uh, belief. Uh, today, I have a slightly more nuanced uh, belief where I, I think that the, the work that you do is important. It is uh, an important part of your identity and it should reinforce uh, the kind of beliefs and uh, the kind of practices you could have on a daily basis. Just as a simple example, uh, again, if I did this anywhere else, if you were a slightly larger company under more scrutiny, something like this could be looked at as a very, very negative thing to do. The fact that we work from 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. five days a week. Why negative? Because if I have to come to the office, no matter what has happened at 8 a.m., then I have to do many other things the previous day so that I could reach work on time, right? I have to make sure that I'm getting ready, I'm sleeping on time, kids are ready, whatever your personal uh, uh, preoccupations are, it almost doesn't matter. You have to be at the office at 8 a.m. Right? So some way we are saying we will not relent on that because it gives you good habits. You sleep on time, you eat well, you're having breakfast early, you're doing all of these good things. And ultimately it's in your best interest. But anybody else hears that, it sounds so condescending. It sounds like, oh, we don't know how to behave. And so you need to come in and like a school, tell us how to behave. But the reality is that through the dozens of people who have either already been at Rocket Team and stay here or people who have left the system, all of them overwhelmingly have been very, very happy with the system. It has given them a very clear structure to the start and end of their day. It has 
made a lot of their personal habits better and in general people have found uh, a very good way to be in their personal life because of this they've been able to do more things than they would have otherwise um, when they hear their friends and other uh, former colleagues uh, family members talk about how they work they can see a stark difference between how they are treated and what they are getting out of the company versus what they get here so in some ways uh, it is a little bit uh, childish to do it like that like a school saying come at 8am but in in many ways we believe strongly that work can influence uh, life in this way and you can do it uh, in this sort of uh, positive way as well yeah and and i i i i did think about that when you said yeah the 8pm to 4 4 8am to 4pm th- that does kind of create a certain thought of why are you why why are you telling me that this is the the mechanism to work but i agree with you sleeping on time being able to have time after work to you know you have 4 p.m. till the evening and 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 for listeners who aren't in india the work culture is very, that is very anti whatever india is like right if you're working in a startup in india you're working crazy hours you're working non-stop and, and if you work that, for corporates it's the same thing and there was one more reason we picked this 845 sort of branding because right. it was meant to be in stark contrast to the 996 working hours that we had heard about in china which is 9am <laughs> to 9pm 6 days a week so it was almost meant to be a foil to that way of working so the the message to the team as well uh, and that time i was reading uh, deep work and which is where uh, Uh, this sort of uh, yeah so so this is where really the the entire concept uh, crystallized in our heads because we were to some degree anyway doing that but at that time we said okay here you have people who are working harder really smart people who are working much much harder than us how do you beat uh-huh. somebody like that do you beat them by working 10 10 7 not really right why don't we work 8 4 5 we do the very best that we can do in this limited time focus all our creative energies collaboration everything that we have in that time and then use the remaining time to recharge to do something different get exposed to new ideas and then the next 845 that you do next week next month next year is going to be so much so much better because you're not all the time under the pump and running on this treadmill now if you haven't read deep work by cal newport you got to get on it dude we only have a certain amount of capacity for truly creative work in our days and if you're constantly trying to push the pedal you will not only impact the quality of your work but the quality of your life so in the past when i have noticed uh, i used to work these kinds of uh, hours uh, one was that it was just not sustainable physically there used to be stretches maybe 3 weeks maybe 2 months whatever it is where i could push like this 10 hours 12 hours 14 hours i could do it but after some time just physically i could not do it also i found that the times when i was doing that amount of work uh, in a day a lot of it tended to be very operational i was uh, a software engineer uh, after that i was a product manager a lot of those activities could be i i mean i just for a lack of a better word they were mindless i was just you know typing something i was you know pressing enter after every few seconds because these used to be deployment scripts or um, there was a time when we were launching a completely new um, vehicle category in the cab aggregator where i worked so i was helping the operations team put together some devices installing stuff so a lot of it was very rote repetitive work so I don't remember having done long stretches continuously and all of it being creative productive work. So today most people in our team whether it is HR, finance, sales, marketing, all of us are doing creative work for the most part. And being able to subject ourselves to non-stop creative work for days on end, I don't really think we'll be able to do that. That's just been my uh, personal experience. So that is really from uh, where this belief started. 
um, and uh, yeah, just uh, feel like a recharge is something that changes the context, gives you a little more time. And also as a developer, I've seen multiple times when I've come across an intractable problem, which I've been banging my head against for two days, I just change the context to something else. Maybe a couple of days later, I come back to it and the solution is right there. So I've just so, sort of from personal experience seen that a change of context, change of scenery sometimes uh, gives you new ideas. Also, I've seen travel do that to me. Just because you're in a different place, you don't have a phone at times, you're traveling in a bus or a train or a plane and you have no connectivity and you just have you and your thoughts. So a lot of times the best ideas come at that time. The team also makes fun of me for my 5 a.m. ideas because that's about a time when uh, roughly I'm waking up and I'm in the sort of half dream state. And I get uh -huh. a lot of ideas which I just jot down and share with the team later in the day. Because that's the time when I'm in a very different context. I'm not 100% thinking of work. So the idea is not to be in this very binary state where I'm uh -huh. working hard and I'm doing nothing else. And then suddenly I've switched off everything. There is nothing related to work. So somewhere work can be at the back of your mind. Just because you're doing something else, you get exposed to something new. You might get a new way of looking at that. That's really how I like to think of it. Which is why my own 845 is actually a lot of cheating. I actually don't do 845 the way I'm espousing uh, and encouraging others to do because a lot of my time, for example, today is a day off for the entire company, but I'm doing this and I'm talking about the company our culture and those kinds of things. Partly you could call this work, partly you could talk, uh, uh, you know, chalk this up to my own interest in talking about these things. But um, a lot of times uh, these kind of uh, things are the ones that recharge you, help you see the world in a different way, which is why recharge is very important. Dude, I think I think this might become a deep work podcast because I'm telling you, I'm the biggest fanboy of deep work. And you mentioned when you were first introducing this idea of recharging, you, you created a distinction between operational work and creative work. And I think for listeners, this is super important. Again, we all spend our days in meetings. We spend our days replying to emails and we spend our days sometimes doing ineffective stuff. And again, a lot of what the book reiterates is identify what are the tasks that really move things forward at, that will end up helping you achieve your end objective, right? Maybe replying to an email isn't the thing that's going to help you achieve that end objective, but doing something else would. And that's where this notion of creative work came in. So how do you, Satej, interpret that idea of, of creative work? And how do you make sure that you... Uh, on a personal level are doing it on a daily basis. Yeah, so this is one more example I can give you, which is uh, somewhere where um, the, the personal philosophy and the company's philosophy is somewhat tied, which is uh, this thing that uh, it's a common uh, topics, but as applied to our work, our product versus service. So a product way of thinking and a service way of thinking, we all know these are two different ways. And within the company, we are trying to push more of a product way of thinking across teams. And what is a, a service way of thinking is where every time I want that end result, there is a human in the loop. Every time I want, let's say, access to a customer because I want to ask a question, let's say I have to go to the customer success team, they have to write to the customer and then we have to set up a call. Now there is a human in the loop, now it becomes a service. So now mm -hmm. this activity, the customer success team can never take themselves out of this loop and they end up having to do many such tiny activities. They all add up. And so you're not able to spend the, um, the 845 that you have, you're not able to spend in more high quality stuff because you've put a human in the loop. Like this, if you examine your day, there'll be many, many different places where a human is in the loop when you actually do not need a human in the loop. 
if you productize that if you make it very self service for that end user to get the result that they want without having a person in the loop if you quote unquote productize it and reimbursements are one way of doing it i could have printed something gone to the finance team they could have signed something but now there are software to do it so automation right. is one way to do it process change could be another thing right so this is how i think about it which is that creative and operational work part of it is this sort of operational stuff that we take on uh, in our world because we don't question that activity we don't question why are we even doing it so if we were to examine every day every activity and you don't have to 100% change all the activities and become this highly optimized 100% efficient rational uh, economic man you don't have right. to do that but on a daily basis you could notice the third time the fourth time i'm doing something you should ask yourself what is this damn stupid thing that i'm doing why am i again signing <laughs> on this this thing why am yeah. i again on this call where i'm just silent and listening to somebody am i adding value are they adding value we do a monthly business review where i wonder if all of those people would attend had i not added them to the invite so after two or three of these meetings i was uh, asking our uh, one of my team members who was organizing these meetings saying should we just remove everybody from the meeting invite and only ask people to join if they want to join right these are small things but you want to keep thinking about what is the operational work that you are doing what is really the creative work that only you can do without you and your unique experience that work could not have happened satej is constantly thinking about what activities can be automated out of his life and the same goes for you constantly evaluate how you're spending your time and the activities that you're actually working on It doesn't need to be a structured reflection if you don't want it to be. Just be conscious of the work you're doing during your days. Is your calendar full of shit that's moving you toward your objectives or not? Can you walk us through dude um what the typical day for Satej looks like during the work week? How is your day scheduled and and how do you kind of approach it? Again, is it ad hoc? Is it structured? Is it how do you think about planning out your days and what does it actually look like yeah so a couple of months ago my days to be quite structured because uh, we were uh, in the middle of both a fundraise as well as uh, closing out the restructuring of our company which required coordinating with multiple teams and things like that so right. that time days used to be a little more structured there used to be a lot more meetings which um, operational activities but they used to make sure i had a lot of structure in my time now right. it's a little more open ended because funding has closed uh, we have a clear plan of growth there is a lot of uh-huh. uh, operational activity creative activity that needs to happen so these days days are a little bit unstructured but i'm trying to bring some structure to it so um, my day typically starts early so uh, 5 am is uh, when ideas start cropping up but i wake up uh, somewhere between 6 and 6:30 every day my early mornings are generally not very productive uh, i don't really get a lot of stuff done before i come to the office so my first priority is to finish everything that i have to do at home mm-hmm. and then just drive to the office so due to covid uh, there was uh, a lockdown lot of travel restrictions so at that time i stayed at home but as soon as those restrictions opened up i made it a priority to go to the office because it gives a lot of structure to my day i know when my day starts i know when my day ends i can schedule whatever work stuff i have to do especially with other team members in that time so that's uh, something that's important so very early uh, so sometime uh, 7:15 7:30 or so i start uh, and reach the office uh, we have a set of uh, daily stand up meetings this is across teams i attend one with uh, uh, finance hr and myself there are mm-hmm. other stand ups that i could attend sometimes uh, early morning uh, catch ups are uh, scheduled because uh, mostly the team likes to 
finish off these uh, cross team discussions early in the day and then get on to more creative work, uh, more focused, uh, deep work that they like to do. So that is uh, typically the first uh, part of the day. Uh, after that, uh, apart from any other scheduled meetings uh, that I have to attend, what I like to do is try and set up time with different team members because as the team has grown, as most new team members have joined during COVID where we have not had a chance to meet on a daily basis, I figure out ways to connect with the team one-on-one. -on -one. This could be as right. a retrospective to a project that they've finished. This is to give feedback about something they worked on. This could be people who have finished three months uh, at the company. These are all ways for me to connect with different team members and get a pulse of how they are working, what is working, what is not working. Uh, learn from them and also share some of uh, how I'm thinking about the business and the growth. So I try okay. and set up uh, those kinds of meetings on a daily basis. Other than that, uh, there are two, three strategic projects that we are working on. So some of my time goes into that. Uh, so I try and keep uh, a couple of hours in the day that uh, I can spend on those things. But uh, otherwise, weekends are uh, for the most part for uh, you know, personal work, any reflections. Um, there is an important part of uh, Rocket EM's uh, culture principles of community which is okay. doing stuff outside your uh, outside your team, outside yourself. And I try and do some of that because a lot of people reach out for startup advice, for changing jobs or, you know, any of these kinds of things. And uh, I try and take some time to do those over the weekend. And uh, during evenings, uh, spending time with my five cats, wife, in-laws, parents, things like that. Once in a while, I get to do that as well. Wow, five cats, dude. Is That must be tough as hell to, to take care of. No, they are level five autonomous, so no trouble at all. So recently I've become somewhat of a night owl. I've been sleeping at one in the morning and getting up at nine. And, you know, not going to lie, sometimes 9.30. And I always wonder, should I be getting up earlier? Does the timing of your work really matter? So personally, I have done both of these models. Uh, in my first job, I used to be that uh, latter person that you described. I used uh -huh. to reach the office at 12 p.m., start my work by 6 p.m., work till 3 a.m. and then repeat the cycle. And uh, one is it led to much worse health uh, than I have today. Um, uh, also, the number of hours that I was working weren't really anymore. Ultimately, it's the same thing. It, it sounds more cool that, oh, I'm working uh, so late into the night, burning the midnight oil. <laughs> but ultimately, the number of hours that you're working are exactly the same, right? I am not using Cal Newport's uh, research. I'm not quoting here. But you will find that most people are doing those same three to five hours of uh, really high quality work after that is discussions. And most times I've personally found that my own willpower is uh, pretty much down to a zero about a 10, 10.30 p.m. Which means if at that critical juncture, I've not switched off any distractions, then I just sort of like a zombie. I just keep consuming content or I just keep doing some mindless work and I end right. up sleeping at midnight. So. I found that uh, for my own willpower, for my own uh, sanity, it's better that uh, I wrap up the day around uh, 10 p.m. or so. Got it. And, and in that time, right, between 4 p.m. and 10 p.m., right, you said you do cheat and you're always thinking. And I think, you know, for everybody, it's impossible to turn it off, right? Whatever your project you're working on, it's going to be in the background. But do you ever really cheat and get on calls or, you know, uh, take out your laptop and actually start replying to emails. Do you, do you ever do that? Or it's pretty strict for you? Actually, I cheat a lot. Uh, I want to be, <laughs> I want to be much better at this, but, uh, there are some things that, uh, you just cannot avoid. 
a lot of our work happens with uh, folks in the US. So you have to stay up late for some of those calls. Uh, if possible, they show up uh, for calls at uh, their evenings and nights. But many times I have to do the same and uh, uh, you know, keep it convenient for them as well. So those are the times when I do late calls. Uh, there are times when I have to put down my thoughts and ideas uh, uh, when I would not have had time to do it uh, during the day. So sure. I end up doing it in the evenings. And uh, I wanted to ask you a second point here. And sorry, I, I really like to get granular on this podcast. Um the other thing you mentioned is at 5 a.m., you get up and you take notes, right? Like if some crazy dream comes in, some crazy idea comes in, you always take it down. Again, this is going to sound very specific, but it's, it is really helpful for people. What is your mechanism to take those notes down and, and where do you structure it? So what I mean by that is, is it a physical notebook? Is it your phone? Are you putting it on a, on a tool like Notion? How do you organize it? What, what do you go about doing there? Yeah, so I have uh, the, the Apple Notes app that I have on my phone. Sometimes uh, I'll use that to make some points. But uh, many a time, uh, the thoughts are so unstructured that I cannot share it uh, publicly very directly. But when they are, <laughs> uh, I would just have the relevant channel on Slack and I would message that to the team so that uh, they can think about it. And sometimes uh, after I go to the office, when I read it, I say, oh, that didn't make a lot of sense. So then I reword it. But otherwise, it's a combination of uh, notes on my phone or the Slack app. And, and how do you make sure you don't miss it? Because again, this is a big thing, right? Because you can have so many notes, but how do you make sure that you actually every day get to it and it's not an idea that just gets lost in the pile of ideas? Yeah, so one is uh, I, I try not to pick on too many projects because uh, exactly the problem that you described, because if I just had to be this roadmap machine for every department, for every product and every feature, I could just have hundreds of ideas. But I know realistically there are only only so many things you can act on. So I try not to have uh, too many of those ideas. I try to bucket them. Also on a daily basis, uh, earlier I used to use my calendar for everything. Every uh -huh. new idea, everything that I had to work on, I used to put it on the calendar. Now I use the notes app. I have a note for every month in which I have these headings, which are every day. And within that I have by department, I would have these ideas. Uh, so it's a checklist that I create in the notes app. And I put those and unless I have finished it, I won't mark it as done. If I've not finished it on one day, I copy and paste it into the next day. So that's how I make sure that uh, some of these ideas, let's say I have to get back to somebody, I have to discuss this new idea with so-and-so, or I have to write down my thoughts about something. Sometimes you may not get to it. So I end up uh, using my notes for that. If it gets very lo long and uh, maybe that uh, project is no longer relevant, I would just end up deleting it, but it stays in my notes app. Awesome. And the other thing that I, I was, you know, I have stuck in my head ever since you said it was when you used to work at a startup and you were working those late hours, your health was significantly worse, right? Than it is today. You feel much more healthy. You feel much more effective. You feel more productive. Uh, sorry to put words in your mouth, but I think that's what you were saying. And uh, what I want to ask here is, because again, for, for people who, that is the regular schedule, right? That is life, you know, 9am to 9pm for a lot of people is life, unfortunately. What exactly did your health feel like? What, what were some of the things that happened that made you think, hey, you know, this is not good for me. Uh, I shouldn't be having this. Is, is there anything in particular that, like that, that woke you up to this kind of realization? So one was uh, just the, the physical health in terms of, uh, um, I used to have a lot of uh, acid reflux just because uh, sleeping late, 
not eating right. sometimes eating too much spicy food all of those things so that is something i noticed had gotten much worse at uh, one point so just uh, that I, i don't know if anybody here has had gerd but it's really no fun because it's it's not even a serious enough disease or uh, uh, condition that people will look at it sympathetically uh, <laughs> and it looks uh, very self inflicted so people just say just get over it and get better so um i did that that was uh, one very um not painful but just sort of uh, odd feeling to have uh, all the time right you have just this lot of acidity you don't feel like eating or if you eat and then you're throwing up and so that was no good and that was mostly happening because of lack of sleep and the other thing was more on the mental front that uh, nothing in terms of uh, stress or depression or any of those things but i used to just find that my thoughts used to come just much more slowly than what i wanted a lot of times i could not finish sentences or i would just you know start talking and trail off into something and just my mind wasn't fully there and i noticed right. this more and more as i as my sleep patterns became worse and when i actually started sleeping better i noticed that i was so much more in command of how i was thinking how i was feeling i felt much more confident just the lack of sleep it just sort of handicapped a lot of other ways uh, and other parts of my brain it just almost felt like that that i was um, always in this dream like state and maybe it's just me feeling a little more uh, you know extreme passion for sleep and wanting more sleep but uh, i think for a lot of people they might find the same thing happening that uh, they might not realize but a lot of their uh, ideas and their best thoughts may not really be coming at them as fast as they would like you got to sleep dude sleep leads to clarity and speed of thought so if you're telling yourself i can do just fine on 5 to 6 hours of sleep nah dude you can't you're operating at about 50% of your capacity and somewhere i i want to share one more thing which uh, you know sometimes things like this might uh, sound very convenient for somebody to say who can run their own business who don't have a manager or some of those things and i used to feel that sense of frustration when i used to uh, listen to timothy ferris because uh, it sounded all convenient for him to say working 4 sure. hours a week but the rest of the world could not really do that right so right. somewhere you need a supportive family you need a supportive work where uh, you are allowed to live this kind of a life and this is where i was saying that personal philosophy and work kind of intertwine if i personally believe this i want to create a work environment where i have the freedom and flexibility to do it if i have it why not the rest of the team so in some way giving the team this opportunity to do it and then it's up to them if they want to take it there are still a lot of colleagues who sleep late uh, at night and still somehow manage to wake up early in the morning and go about the rest of the day like me i personally cannot do that right so somewhere yeah. uh, it's good to hear some of these things but the reality is in many companies you may not have the environment where you have to do this i know companies where you are almost forced to go out drinking with the rest of the team because the best ideas and the best projects get uh, doled out to people who are hanging out and having drinks with their vps so you have to first drink then you have to go out and then you have to do something that you may not have wanted just because you want the best projects and want to be with the best people right so somewhere that's a little unfair not everybody has the option to live this kind of a lifestyle so either uh, question the company where you're doing it or figure out some way to get to this if possible if not uh, yeah, hopefully more companies start working like this and give the freedom and flexibility to their teams now honestly if you work for someone you should feel empowered to question the work schedule laid out for you if someone is expecting you to work ridiculous hours and you have an unreasonable boss dude just move on start writing personalized emails to other companies and join them There are thousands of companies out there that could use your work. Now to make sure that Satej's team never gets to the point of burnout, 
he's done something interesting. They implemented what he calls a refuel day at Rocketium. Yeah, absolutely. So this is something we started during uh, the last uh, few months of uh, you know, where COVID was. We had the second wave happening and you know people were almost ready to come back to the office and resume a more normal work day, but they really could not. And what we noticed that team after team, individual after individual was working a lot more uh, than what they originally thought they would. And somewhere being at home, it was easy to uh, start the day a little early, end it a little late or not end it at all. And just it's sort of this fluid work and home are kind of mixed, right? So we said, uh, you know, people should take more vacation. But again, that really wouldn't happen because there is no place to go. There's nothing else to do. So people weren't really taking any vacation. We did an ad hoc uh, straw poll and we asked team members how many have taken more than three days off consecutively this year. And the results were appalling. There were maybe 20% of the people had taken more than three days off uh, Right? And, uh, wow. Yeah. So you really, where would you go if you take a day off because you're scared about not having taken both your vaccines or people there uh, having more cases, things like that. So what we said instead of, again, this is one of those things that some might sound very heavy handed and almost like a school, but we said, what else is there, right? So we created this concept of refuel day where one day in a month, we are giving the team a time off. Everybody is uh, off, uh, not working, including me, uh, other uh, leadership team members, everybody. And this is a day when you should just, and typically we do this uh, around a weekend. So it's either a Friday or a Monday. So the team gets three days off. Uh, in fact, right. today is a refuel day for us because uh, Friday was a day off uh, for something and uh, we have given Monday off. So most of the team has uh, four days off. Why I say most, uh, because sometimes uh, customer queries happen uh, very rarely, but we have made sure that even they know that we are not working this time. So the idea with this was that uh, if the team is not able to take days off, if they don't have any reason to take time off, we are giving them that reason. We are saying it is a day to refuel. We branded it also like that, that we want you to refuel. We want you to recharge, come back with a new set of uh, ideas and completely new energy. That uh, that was really the idea. So that... Uh, and we, we want to continue doing that even after we come back because it's just one day a month, right? We are not doing a four day or three day work week or anything dramatic like that. But just one day giving you a long weekend, it's just a, uh, it's a different thing to do. It's uh, something that is a good change of pace as well. Yeah, it's something to look forward to. And it's, it's a very interesting concept. What do you do during your days off? You've mentioned your cats, you've mentioned your family. What are your ideal ways to take time off and actually recharge? So I like traveling a lot. So whenever possible, I like to travel. So uh, I've been to something like 21 different countries uh, and most of it was not for work. So this was uh, just my wife and I. Uh, and most of this uh, travel ha happened after I got married. So uh, big credit to my wife for uh, making me do all of that. So we like to travel. Travel is uh, intertwined with uh, love of nature and food. So food is something, even if we are not traveling, we like to cook at home. We, we cook a lot of uh, exotic uh, meals from all over this country, other countries. So food is something that takes up a lot of time. Um, I'm also big time into video games and board games. That's uh, something that uh, we try to do because, again, it's a change of pace, uh, completely new, creative ways to spend time. That's something we really enjoy. I like walking a lot, especially in the area where I live. It's quite green. So try and uh, take the time to do it. Also, uh, the community aspect that I was talking about, uh, organically, a lot of people reach out to me. So I use that as a way to learn about different industries, learn about different challenges, opportunities that other people see. 
also use this opportunity as much as I can to connect with uh, different team members on an ad hoc basis, get to hear what they have to say. So that's mostly where my time goes. The other thing that I've started doing, uh, so reading is something that I always used to do, not books, but a lot of uh, articles. So between reading tech meme and hacker news, uh, saving all of those articles on pocket, I had a pretty good system where I could go through something like 200 articles on a daily basis. That was uh, my regimen for the last, uh, I don't know, maybe 10 odd uh, years that I've been doing that. So extensively reading a lot of uh, this sort of, of course, it's in a filter bubble. I, I consume a lot of uh, very tech utopia kind of stuff. But uh, just to broaden my horizon, I do two other things to consume new ideas and uh, you know new perspectives. One is books. I've started doing a lot of uh, listening to books on Audible, very uh -huh. uh, diverse uh, sort of books that I've started doing. And uh, I consume a lot of content on YouTube. So almost uh, 30 minutes on a daily basis, I watch uh, videos on YouTube. This could be uh, politics, geography, history, um, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, cultural stuff that I like to consume, just get exposed to new ideas as well. Dude, 200 articles. How, how does that happen? What is Pocket and, and how does it allow you to do that? Yeah, so uh, I use the Feedly app uh, where I've added all of these RSS subscriptions. So it gives you both the headline as well as a blurb of what is in the article. So I go through the blurbs, I figure out what's interesting, what is it uh, that I want to read, and I save those to Pocket. Pocket used to be a standalone app. Now it has been bought by Mozilla, who are the makers of Firefox. So you can save your articles there. It goes and downloads the full article for reading offline. So when you click on it, there are no ads, there are no, uh, you know, hardly any images. It's just this nice black and white uh, or dark mode view. You can read all of these articles. And so you can listen to them if you're driving, you can read them uh, later. But typically this is for long reads, the shorter articles you just quickly go through. But uh, yeah, something like Hacker News, uh, just by reading the headlines, you know what you want to read, what you do not want to read. Tech Meme is the same way, TechCrunch is the same way. So a few of these uh, publications I read and uh, they are also good aggregators of other pieces of information. Something that I might not uh -huh. have read on economics or uh, geopolitics, I get uh, exposure through these guys. And what does that what does that do for you? Like you, this is a ten year habit. It's it's obviously something that's been really effective and something that you hold very dearly. What does reading two hundred articles do for you? And I know that can sound very obvious as a question, but I really want to get down into to why you choose you've chosen to consistently do it for so long. Yeah. So my a big area of interest for me is uh, entrepreneurship, startups, how they contribute, uh, uh, how they are an uh, economic engine uh, and creating the future of this world. And like I said, this sort of tech utopia is uh, a pet interest of mine. So for the last 10 years, I've been consuming that. And so somewhere today, it gives me that broader perspective about where the industry is going. Um, if I had the inclination uh, to do it, I could have invested in a lot of things that were worth you know zero rupees at uh, some point and are now worth billions right, uh, right. Uh, a lot of those have happened in front of uh, my eyes and it was obvious at that time as it is today that those things were going to get big right whether it was amazon apple bitcoin any of those things you've seen those happen in front of your eyes so just being exposed to these early adopters these um, little more visionary people who are creating the future that is something that i really wanted and uh, that exposure, those ideas, uh, somewhere it uh, bleeds into your own work. Um, yeah, and also just because uh, this whole uh, the venture industry is very interesting to me, not that I want to become an investor, 
but uh, you know for the most part i can go toe to toe with uh, pretty much any investor talk about anybody's portfolio or uh, future directions in industries that i have no business uh, knowing so that is something uh, that uh, i i think is interesting i don't <laughs> think that it adds any monetary or any other uh, direct business value but uh, somewhere these dots are going to connect no but i i, I do see it in that sense and and so, someone one of my friends is also a voracious article reader and he's like cuz i don't read any articles and he's like dude you got to do it the biggest reason why for him it's effective is that it opens up conversation with anybody right so regardless for you it's probably regardless of anybody's field in, in in technology or in the startup world you're going to be able to connect with them because you know probably what's happening in their business because you've read about it right that's right and, and he says the exact same thing it's like dude whether it's economics whether it's technology whether it's football whatever it is because i've read this i can connect to more people is that anything that that you've seen as as a result of it i think so definitely and uh, the other thing that i notice is that you are much more open to listening to other people and talking to them because you understand at least some part of their world and their uh, you know experience otherwise if somebody says they are i don't know something some algorithmic trader or something you, you eyes might just glaze over because you have no idea what it means but now right. if through 5 10 20 different pieces you are exposed to that world you can have a very interesting conversation with them and uh, somewhere it's good for your ego as well right you're talking to some of the best people in the world and you can talk about what they are good at and they can talk to you as if you are a peer it's just sort of good for your confidence and somewhere a lot of things that you are able to do in this world are the function of the kind of will power that you have and the confidence that you have right because a lot of the things that you have to do are not really very technical they are more relationship oriented they are communications oriented so if you are able to do some of those it's almost like having this superpower so the more knowledge you have the more interesting conversations you can have the more confidence builds the more you are able to learn and synthesize the knowledge that you have now that's the other benefit of reading you're able to connect deeper with more sets of people now you don't have to necessarily read 200 articles a day like satej but pick up a goddamn book every once in a while so just before we wrap up folks there's another thing that satej does to connect with people and it might sound a little bit weird and different at first but hear it out he uses emojis emoji is something that uh, originally i started doing that uh, in a very ironic way i i'm really not the kind of person who would use emoji i'm the sort of person who will even after a one word answer i would put a full stop and i'll just have the perfect punctuation just because i'm uh, <laughs> wired that way <laughs> uh, so emoji is something actually very antithetical to the kind of person that i am but really i started it as a social experiment i wanted to connect a lot better with the people who are actually talking like that i didn't want to come across as somebody who's just talking in a very different language does not really connect to what people are doing and so first it started as a social experiment but then i realized that it conveys feeling and emotion in a much much better way than just using text just those tiny things and i, I don't want to overdo it and sometimes uh, i might uh, do that just having 10 emoji one after the other but a lot of times it's a great way to convey how you are feeling and uh, that's why i end up uh, using that uh, a lot of our uh, uh, company's culture principles they are accompanied by an emoji so sometimes when you just use that emoji everything entailed under that culture principle is encapsulated by that one tiny image so uh, I, i find those emoji being very powerful in their communication and uh, if you've noticed uh, in any of these uh, built in keyboards uh, today if you are using emoji 
the most recent ones show up first and somewhere i thought that's a great uh, you know window into somebody's soul and how they feel all the time because i have noticed that uh, the kind of emojis that i've used over time have also evolved earlier it used to be the most basic uh, plain vanilla smiley thumbs up things like that but yeah. over time i noticed uh, things like this uh, my favorite is the graph emoji it's this red color line which is going up over time right or the rocket emoji which is kind of obvious but you know use it in a different context i've started using the diamond one because i i like to tell people that you know whatever they're doing is amazing and it's perfect and just saying diamond is enough like i don't have to wax eloquent about how well they did something when they see the diamond they just know that wow this is peerless effort that i've put in so uh, on the other hand when i've seen in other people lot of crying emoji or you know heartbreak and some of those things it shows that that's the majority of the conversation that they might be having and they are using emoji as a shorthand to express their emotion so i think that will be an interesting exercise for people to look at their common emoji and just get this sort of snapshot of how they are feeling and what is the predominant sentiment in their conversations do this emoji thing is no joke We recorded this interview about a month ago and I've been using it literally on a daily basis. All of my emails, all of my chats and all of my posts now use emojis. Not only does it make the text just look so much better, the response rates are just so much better. So dude, honestly, trust me, try it. Well, boys and girls, that's a wrap. We tried something new on this episode and I hope you enjoyed this slight change in format. And if you did dude make sure to follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. We have some seriously awesome guests like Zoya Afroz, who is Miss India, and Abi and Niyu coming on the show. So you definitely don't want to miss those dude. All right, that's enough from me. I will see you all in the next one.